Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Central Heights. We're so glad you're here to celebrate fatherhood with us this morning. And as we do that, know that it really is a celebration of God and his good gifts to us. We've been going through a series in James here at Central Heights. And in James chapter 1, it talks about how every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation, no shadow due to change. And family, fatherhood, motherhood are one of those God-given gifts. And um, sometimes that's distorted, as we're going to hear about this morning. But it really is something to be celebrated. Fatherhood and, 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 and adoption is demonstrated really in baptism. Um, it's, the baptism is symbolic of as they go underwater, uh, dying to the old life or the past is dead and rising to a new life in Christ. And part of that is that through faith in Jesus, we're adopted into God's family. He becomes our heavenly father that we can have a personal relationship with. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have that, we invite you to have further conversation uh, with us or maybe with the people that you came this morning. So on this theme of fatherhood, I'm going to invite, we're going to begin this morning with a panel of of dads. I invite you to join me up on the uh, platform here. You know who you are. Come on, dads. Where are you? And uh, why don't we welcome them as they come, if you do that, please. I had to apologize to them early. You know, here we are putting them to work on Father's Day. But I'm just going to ask them a couple of questions, and we're going to hear from uh, some dads who are different places, different stages with their kids. So if you tell us, introduce who you are, your name, and if you have 5, 10, 15, 20 kids, or however it works for you, just we get a little glimpse as to your role as a dad. Art Clausen, married to Eleanor. Uh, we have three children, Tim and Vivian and Julie, all married, and six grandchildren, and we love them all. My name is uh, Gabriel, Claudia, my wife, and uh, Juliana, she's 15, and Emerson, he's 14. My name is Dan Kinvig, my wife is Danielle. Uh, I have three kids, uh, Cadence, age seven, Caleb is five, and Boaz is two. All right, so first question this morning is, what are some of the challenges of being a dad in the stage that you're at? Well, for me at the stage I'm at, uh, one of the biggest challenges for me as a dad is uh, managing my responses when my kids misbehave. Uh, You know, in in all areas of my life, I like to define myself as someone who's very calm, even keeled, uh, doesn't get too high or too low, but there's something about my kids that can tap into this level of frustration that I almost didn't realize was there. Um, And... uh, I've, I've kind of self-analyzed and thought about, you know, why is this that, uh, that maybe I respond this way to my kids, you know, some of the people that I love the most in the world. Uh, and, and I've kind of come to, come to the idea that maybe it has something to do with just that, that thing as a father where you just want the very best for your kids so much. And when, when they're not living up to, to that, um, you know, be making good decisions, it, it, it can rattle you and, uh, and you respond in suboptimal ways. Um, and I, I'm, I guess God's teaching me and I'm learning that... Uh, not every incident of uh, misbehavior means my kids are headed for a life of crime and that, uh, you know, I can, uh, I can have a calmer reaction. It doesn't have to be 10 out of 10 uh, all the time. Uh, well, for myself, my kids are perfect. They're somewhere up there. Um, <laughs> we, we all have those uh, buttons that they can push. Uh, but for, for Are you my... hoping for a bigger Father's Day, you I know, so. because we'll of... Find out. <laughs> Uh, for myself, uh, the question that I always uh, ask myself uh, is enough. 
um, is enough, that what I'm doing financially is enough, what I'm doing spiritually is enough. Um, my, um, uh, my attitude towards them when they react a certain way, what am I uh, trying to uh, show them? Uh, am I trying to show God's love or my wrath? So um, that's one of the things that I struggled with as the kids grew up. And uh, yes, like we all, all have a, a, pot, a button that they can push and they take it to the next stream, but trying mm. to um, be God-like, that was my, mm. my biggest uh, worry. Okay, thank you. I feel a little more comfortable sticking to my notes, so uh, maybe you'll hear more from me that way than otherwise. Uh, the, the decisions we make as fathers have a great significance and they be some of the most challenging things we do. Um, I became a Christian at age 11, uh, baptized at 16, changed schools at, uh, during my senior matric year, and there I met my, the girl I married. It's there that I chose a motto for my life. It's a, it's a motto that uh, InterVarsity uses. It's to know Christ and to make him known. I went to Bible school for three years, and it's there that I really um, got in touch with missions and what God is requiring of me. Um, another verse of great significance in my life is the verse that Eliezer uses in the story of uh, his finding a wife for Isaac. He says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. And I've experienced that throughout my life. So what are some of the challenges? Uh, in decisions that we need to make, uh, the first one is, is it the will of God that we move a certain direction? And secondly, how does that decision affect my wife and our children? And thirdly, how does that mesh with making Christ known to others. A few examples a little later. I have a microphone, okay. but thank you. <laughs> uh, artists, you uh, face those and make decisions. Where, where have you seen God's reward in being a father? The Lord laid missions on our heart and asked us to go to Nigeria. Uh, that was a big decision for us. We had a one-and-a-half-year-old. We were moving into a country that had recently had a major coup, and there was a lot of t f f uh, political tension in the country. But God had gave us inner peace because we knew that God had called us for that. A few years later, we had to make another decision. Um, the mission invited us to stay longer than the two-and-a-half years that we were there. And... Um, a decision to stay would mean that we would send our child, five or six years old, to a mission school and uh, not see him for most of the year, that they would come home for a few holiday weeks a year. At that point, we made a decision we would come home. Another decision we made recent, more recently, uh, we moved to Abbotsford because we we were living in a community that was much smaller, and 
very few Christians in the school and Christians in the church, or Christian kids in the church. And as a result, we moved to Abbotsford where the girls could go to MEI and receive Christian education as well as a church where they had a lot of friends. So I'll stop with that for a minute. Uh, for, my, for myself, uh, one of the uh, uh, nice things about seeing my kids grow up is that uh, you can see their characters as they grow. Uh, for Juliana, uh, she was a little bit shy at the beginning when she was little and she didn't want to talk to people. Uh, but Emerson, on the other hand, he would talk to everybody, invited everybody mm -hmm. home. And so um, with Juliana, we had to work a little bit of, of making her flourish. And uh, yesterday I went to pick her up at work and I was there a little bit earlier just to see the interaction that she has with people mm -hmm. now and, um, and the, the freedom that she has to talk to them and, and, and be with them. It's amazing. And for Emerson... Um, he, he, was, he was the kid over here that rolled his eyes and uh, our, whatever you ask him to do. Or, or, and so we, we have a lot of fun and we go hunting together. So it's, it's a bonding time and uh, we can pray together as, uh, as we're going. And spending time with him, is, it's awesome. Beautiful. So. Uh, for me to put into words just what a blessing my kids are is kind of hard. I guess I would just sum it up and say they bring me a lot of joy. I really enjoy being with them and spending time with them, and I, I really like them. They're, they're fun, and they're cool, and they're smart, and they're interesting, and I mean, you know, one of the great, you know, cravings of my life is just to spend even more time with them and get to just, you know, just going on adventures with them, whether it's swimming or hiking or just cuddling on the couch watching a movie. Like, this is what I live for. It's the best, and uh, yeah, I just feel very, very fortunate to have them in my life. Great. Um, when you think about Fast-forwarding, your kids are going to grow up fast, let me tell you. And uh, you think about when they're older and what kind of legacy would you want to leave with your kids? Well, what I think about often is I, I just want my kids to have a solid understanding of who they are in Christ. Uh, just knowing who God is, that He loves them, and that they can be secure in that. And I mean, we, we sung this morning about uh, no longer being a slave to fear. And uh, I just want my kids to be working from a position of strength when they meet those challenges in life and those times of adversity, just knowing who they are and who God is. Thank you. Uh, for, for me, the legacy that I want to leave, live, live to them is uh, when we got married, uh, one of the things that we decided uh, in our house, we work with the youth. And so we had an open door policy. And so when they had a problem or anything like that, they were more than welcome to come by at any time. One o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, they would show up and ask for prayer. And, and that's what we lived all this time. And I, I would like our kids to be able to do that and to follow Jesus and to lo uh, show Jesus' loves yeah. to everybody else. Mm. One thing I did uh, early in our uh, the kids' growing up years, uh, we followed some of the examples given to us by Bill Gothard in Basic Youth Conflicts. And he said, one of the things you can do as a father is take every child out individually and spend time with them. So that's what I did. I had three children and my wife, so four, four uh, weeks in the, year, in the month, every month I took the, the children out individually and we spent time. And they went to a restaurant, the girls got all dressed up in their nice dresses and and uh, we'd go to a restaurant, they could order whatever they want, and uh, we talked. Sometimes I shared some scripture with them, 
things like the uh, fruit of the Spirit and uh, work through that with him. And so in one of those uh, meetings we had, that we, I had my first uh, kind of man-to-man -man talk with uh, our son. And it was a beginning of, of a relationship that uh, took on a different dimension. Um, our summers always included a healthy dose of camping. One year it was all the way across Canada. And we traveled in a car in a small trailer, camped all the way, eight weeks. I got back to school in September and I told my colleagues what I had done. And they said, you did what? And uh, we still really enjoyed that. And to foster a, 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 an awareness of missions, we made it a policy in our home to invite missionaries to our home. And uh, this is usually after Sunday night service. We still had Sunday night services then. And we'd have uh, coffee and tea and juice and whatever. And the kids could listen to the missionaries' stories. And that made a big, big difference in their lives. In terms of a legacy, I think that our children catch more than what we teach them. Some more things are caught than taught. And one example of that just came up very recently. Uh, Eleanor and I were on a cruise to Alaska and we stopped in Ketchikan exactly on the day that those two airplanes crashed and six people were killed. Well, our children got the message that the, there was a crash in Ketchikan and they knew we were there that day. And uh, so they were concerned. Could mom and dad have been on that plane? And then they thought, no, they wouldn't be on that plane. Mom wouldn't get on the plane and dad wouldn't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> but we enjoyed it. Okay, that's all. This morning, as I was thinking about these three gentlemen, I, I told you earlier, it struck me, and it's how well it fits with your last phrase there, Art, about uh, our kids catch more sometimes than is taught to them, but each one of you model what it looks like um, to follow Jesus. Uh, I'm not so as much aware of what, uh, what's going on outside of the church, but here in the church, each one of you serve. Uh, Art, you're serving in Nickel Hall with the worship there and other places outside of the church at Trinity Western. Uh, Gabe, you're new, fairly new to Central Heights, and yet here you are. You're already involved in working with our tech team and Daniel working with kids' ministry. Um, know that our kids, they see what we do. They see our behavior, and much more is caught than taught. But I want to commend each one of you in the way that you're following Jesus. And your ripple effect goes beyond your family and touches other people within your church family that watch what you do as well. So let's give them a hand again. Thanks so much, you guys. This morning we have our speaker is Gina Balser, who is one of our own. Uh, Gina is a former pastor of worship at Greendale Church and currently is a discipleship coach with Mercy Seat Ministries. And so Gina's going to speak to us on the subject of fatherhood. I just don't know where she is. There she is. So glad you're here, Gina. Would you welcome her as she comes? Thank you.
Well, happy Father's Day to all you men. Good morning to the rest of you. It is a privilege to be here this morning and to speak. Normally, I'm standing over there, so that if I wander over, you know that I'm feeling maybe a little nervous or insecure or something, but I'll try and, try and stay over here for my role today. So I just want to start by saying I love adventure. I love exploring. I love getting out into creation and seeing what God has made and just interacting with it and getting getting messy in it. <laughs> so this past week, I did the Sunshine Coast Trail. Just got home last night. I've been hiking and walking for 175 kilometers. So that's why I'm wearing flip-flops today. <laughs> but uh, I wish I could talk to my dad today because he would love to hear all the details. He would love to know about the, some of the things that you're seeing behind me here. He'd love to know about those huts and what's going on with that. Why, why are they there and where are they placed on the trail? He'd love to know about my gear and all the ins and outs because that's my dad. And those are his fingerprints, his imprint, his mark on me as his daughter. And so I love knowing that I've got that part of my dad because he was all about planning the next hunting trip When's he going ice fishing? When's he going snowmobiling with the guys? When's he, you know, his next RVing trip with mom? There was always a plan. It was big, it was grandiose, and that's, that's who raised me. Also neat to, to look in our own home and see the fingerprints that my husband has on our kids, and I can see it particularly on our son, our oldest. His name is Jordan, and he's just a little mini-me of his dad. He always has been from the time he was little till now, John and Jordan are so much alike in their looks, in their stature, in the way they do things, in the way they problem solve. And it just warms my heart as a mom to see so much of the goodness in John being replicated in Jordan. And let's just be honest, we all know that our dads are human and there are faults in them and there are hurts that happened. And when I think of my growing up years, there wasn't a close relationship between me and my dad or my siblings and my dad. There was as much as he was a big and grandiose man, he also had a very big and loud expectation and his voice, and there was a lot of fear in me around my dad. I towed the line because I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna catch what might be coming my way. And so there was an inability to have a close relationship, and that caused a lot of hurt and distance. So I recognize in a room of this many people, there's all kinds of experience on Father's Day of how we celebrate. Some of you will think, oh, my dad was awesome. And I'm the person I am today because my dad did such a stellar job. And there will be people all in between there. And then there will be those of you who say, man, I wish I could wipe this day off the calendar because my dad did a lot of damage. The fingerprints of my dad on my life have left me wounded and I don't know how I'm gonna recover. And so I just wanna say in this moment, I'm sorry I'm sorry for those difficult relationships and the pain that you have known because of your earthly dad. And as I have considered these things, I've thought to myself, why in the world would God share one of his primary titles as father with broken mankind? Because likely we're going to project our feelings, our hurt, onto our heavenly father. And so I wondered, why would he do that? When fatherhood is actually woven into his very design, into his character you know he's it's the primary name in the godhead father son and holy spirit he's the unique father of jesus he's the father of creation he's the father of israel and he's the father of all who put their trust in him so you can see god has his fingerprints over all things over all people over 
this entire universe. It's got God's hand on it. And so regardless of your experience with your earthly dad, you have a perfect heavenly father who has design and plans and purposes for you that are perfect. And his love is perfect for you. I hope you can hear that today. So part of my dad's legacy for me was one of faithfulness. And I could hardly remember a time when I did not go to church on a Sunday morning. That was just what we did. We went to church and we served. Mom and dad served in a variety of roles throughout my growing up. And I didn't know them not, not in a place of service. And so that was modeled. And from a young age, I was involved and was in leadership as soon as I was old enough and knew much of the Lord, knew all the stories, knew much of the character of God and could teach that early on and it just became part of, part of what I did. So I knew about my heavenly father. I had a very reverent faith, but I didn't know an intimate, deeply personal faith because father meant to me an authoritarian a strict disciplinarian with high expectations that I can barely reach. And so I thought, how can I ever engage? How can I ever trust? How can I ever fully love my Heavenly Father? Because I don't know how to do that with my earthly dad. And so that sent me on this quest because I knew there were people around me. I knew there were other scriptures that would say he's slow to anger, abounding in love. And I was so curious about that. I wanted to know that for myself. And I thought, I don't want to go through the motions of faith. You know, Tim mentioned that I was a, a worship pastor. I did that for a number of years, and there was a moment in time when I'm just like, you know what? This is not integrous of me to not be able to speak out of the depth of my heart. I don't want to just say cognitive words that God loves you. I want to speak it from the depth of me. And so in my early 30s, there was a, just a point when I'm just like, I'm done with this. I want to get into this word, if I say this is the word of God, if I say this is the bread of life, I have to consume it. I have to know it. And so I started to dive deep. And there were verses like, I am intimately acquainted with all your ways. Or a verse from Isaiah 43 that says, I have summoned you by name and you are mine. I tell you, those words started to penetrate and trickle down from my head into my heart and it started to make sense in a way that it never had before. And that protective sheath that I had formed around myself so that nobody could really get in there started to melt. And it took time, I'm still on a journey because I was so protective, so protective. It didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want to engage in that way. And so as that began to change in me, as I began to feel the shift and believe these things, actually dare to trust God that he could love me in this way, my attitudes not only towards God started to change, but my attitude towards people began to change and my dad at the top of the list. And I could see him for, for the man that God created him to be. So maybe he didn't have the total package and skill set to make him a stellar dad. That's okay but I could see the fingerprints of my heavenly father on my dad such that I could offer him grace and mercy and say, dad, you did the best you could. I know you were a faithful man. He taught us so much and he left a beautiful legacy even to his dying day. He was saying, kids, the Lord numbers my days and I'm going home. It's okay. 
That's how I choose to remember my dad. And even with John, it's transformed my thinking where, I mean, we've been raised with very similar ideologies, but in times, of course, there's two parents coming in from two different family styles, and there's moments when, you, when I step back and I go, phew, I would have handled that entirely different. But I say to myself, man, I want to see the fingerprints that God has on John transferred to our children. And just stand back and say, God, I just leave it in your hands. It's up to you, and you have your way in our home. And you imprint on John so that he can imprint in the fabulous way that he can to our kids. So as this transformation has happened, and I've begun this beautiful love affair with my God through his word, I've been thinking a lot about wisdom lately because apparently I'm getting older and I'm supposed to have some of that, so I figured, well, I might as well go to, the, go to the Word and see what I can glean. And Proverbs is a book that I've never really studied. I've thought, it's got a bunch of quirky, weird phrases and some of them are kind of funny, but, you know, eh, I would easily pass by. Curious that Pastor Tim has been preaching in James recently and had said that James is the kind of the New Testament book of wisdom. So here we've been given an Old Testament book and a New Testament book of this practical wisdom that our Heavenly Father is saying, kids, I've got words for you. I'm telling you how you can do this day in and day out such that you can make it to the end of the race. You've got this, I think he would say to us. And uh, so as I've looked into this wisdom literature and read these phrases, you know, really what they are are just kind of short standalone statements that uh, speak to human behavior, which provide instruction often in the form of a command. So that's really what the Proverbs are. And I've asked the Holy Spirit as I have been working through Proverbs in the last few months, I said, Lord, there's so much here. Like, how do these standalone little statements come together to be practical in my day-to-day walking out of my faith. And I feel that the Lord has brought me to three statements that I actually recite to myself often, often daily to help me in the variety of situations I face in a day. And they are embrace discipline, pursue righteousness, and maintain integrity. Now, I don't know about you, but embrace discipline sounds like a complete clash because I schooled myself in the ability to avoid discipline at all costs. I was that good little girl who could fly under the radar and just kind of squeak by without getting caught or I wouldn't even bother because I knew it wasn't worth the ripple effect or the yelling or the discipline that might come. So I was very obedient. I was very good on the outside. I lived a very fear-based life and that's where my obedience came from. And so to think about embracing discipline from my Heavenly Father just was incongruent. I thought, I don't, discipline means fear. Discipline means hurt. Discipline means run, avoid, escape. And so to embrace discipline from my Heavenly Father has been a challenge for me. And I've sat a bit in Hebrews 12, and I just want to look at four verses together um, as we are in this first point that has been very helpful for me personally to get a glimpse of what does it mean for our Heavenly Father to discipline us. So five and six says, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son and daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So you can see here that his motivation is completely and utterly out of love. 
I can admit as a parent, sometimes I've disciplined because I'm just mad and I'm fed up. But we see here and we need to trust that God disciplines us every time out of a beautiful, beautiful heart of love. Verse 10 and 11 say this, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Just hear those last three words, share his holiness. That our big God, creator of all, father of all, wants to share his holiness with us. And he does that through discipline. Isn't that incredible? I can't hardly even wrap my mind around that. And then verse 11, it says, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So as we lean in, as we say, okay, I'm gonna try and receive this, that's our part, is to be trained by it, to receive it, to welcome it, in a sense. I remember there was a one point when, um, in raising toddlers, our middle daughter is fairly strong-willed, and she would push my buttons daily. And she pushed hard, because she's strong-minded and opinionated, and she just wanted it her way. And the, the spanking came one particular day, and at the end of it, she looked at me with pierced lips and eyes ablaze, and I just thought, oh boy, there is no submission in this little heart. And she is refusing to be trained by my discipline and my authority. And I thought, how often am I that way toward the Lord? How often do I cross my arms and say, no way. I do not want to listen to you. I don't want to receive what you have to say. I don't want to have to change. It hurts too much. It's too uncomfortable. I want my own way. A couple of verses that we can grab from Proverbs just to kind of bring this home. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Stupid. It's not my word. It's scripture. 15.32 says, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Right? These are strong. This is a strong message. We need to embrace discipline. The second point is pursue Righteousness. So again, raised in my home, my dad was a very proud man. We were weebs. We were MBs. And we were a strong, solid family. And that's the identity that I grew up in. And it kind of bred pride in me. And there was a bit of self-righteousness that came with the package. And as I have really leaned into this book and leaned into gleaning what the Lord has for me, he's revealed the exact opposite, that I am broken and I am in great need of the Lord and his direction in my life. I am far from righteous without the leadership of God in my life. And so as he has revealed that to me and as I have learned to be tender-hearted and gracious and open-handed, I can have great moments on the couch with the Lord as I'm, as I'm reading these things and I'm all in and I tell you, I can get up and someone says something to me in my house and I can just be like, Pew! and my mind is kind of blown and I'm just right back to a fleshly response and I go, oh Lord, this is so hard. It's so hard to pursue righteousness. 1 Timothy 6, 11 
says, but as for you, O man and woman of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Pursue. Present tense, active verb. It's not a one-time deal where we come to Christ and he has this tidy little package of these things. And he hands it to us and he says, now put it in your back pocket and that's, that's what you've got. He's like, no, you've got my Holy Spirit and I will equip you every day and you need to continue to commit and do it again and again and again, just like me climbing these mountains. One day we ascended 18 kilometers, ascending, no down, just up this past week. And it's like step after step after step after step is what God is asking of us. Don't sit down, don't give up, I'm here. Pursue me, pursue, pursue, pursue. And as we do this, you know, it's hard work. It's hard work climbing a mountain. It's hard work doing this life. It's hard work parenting well, fathering well. But there's blessing and there's reward. Let me read Mark 6, 33, coming out of the Sermon on the Mount, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things, his kingdom and his righteousness. A couple verses out of Proverbs. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. His kingdom, his righteousness, his love. And another verse says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So we also have his, his acceptance as we pursue him and as we lean in to his way. So as we're embracing his discipline and going step by step in pursuing his righteousness, the third point is to maintain integrity. And in, this is, in our culture, I think this is kind of a buzzword, is I'm just, gonna be, I'm just gonna be the best me I can be, right? And we say that that's integrity. Well, as Christ followers, we're saying, I wanna follow the way of Christ. I wanna be a mini-me to Jesus. And of course, we know we're, we're broken people. We're certainly not, we're never going to attain Jesus dumb until we get to, until we get to heaven. But it's this, it's this commitment to live to glorify the Father and to have this identity based on the identity of, that we have in Christ and to be pursuing that, to live consistency, consistently sorry, in all areas of our life because we're pursuing Jesus. That's what it means to maintain integrity in our life. If we think about Jesus doing that perfectly from a New Testament example, we can see guys like Daniel and Joseph from the Old Testament who, I mean, their allegiance to God and their adherence to the law was second to none, such that their lives were endangered because of it. I mean, these guys were committed and they lived consistently across the board and they've been lifted up, they've been blessed, they've been honored through the millennia for the, for the lives that they lived for the integrity they have maintained. So just a couple more verses coming out of, out of Proverbs. 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Right, it's pretty clear. Second Corinthians says, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but at what is also also in the sight of man. So there's so many, so many themes in 
Proverbs that talk about uprightness, honesty, uh, hard work, and purity. And it all kind of comes down into this life of integrity that he's calling us to live and he will, he will bless us for it. So it comes to the question of how do we integrate this into our lives today? And it's not something that I'm going to give you the answer for. It's not something that I'm going to say, oh, do these five things and these three phrases will magically be present in your life. But I do want to encourage you. I am an encourager by nature and actually by vocation. In the people that I sit with as I, as I coach, I, don't, I try not to give answers. Maybe sometimes I do, but it's certainly not my goal. I want to point people to Jesus. As people come and they tell me their stories, sometimes I sit and I weep with them. My heart breaks. For some of what people have to endure in their lives. And I say, you know what? I know someone. I don't have the answers for you. I'm so sorry, but let's look to the person who has the answers, who has the healing, and let's talk to Jesus about that. So as I look at all of you, I want to say, let's just look to Jesus. He's the source. He's the one who started all of this. Remember, he's the father over it all. And he can say to you as you say, I have no idea how to embrace discipline. I screw up righteousness all the time, and I have no idea what integrity could look like in my life. Jesus does. The Holy Spirit can lead you in such a way that these things aren't just obligatory duties, but rather a response to a loving Father where you can live in such a way that is transform transformational and to know freedom. And that's my prayer for you. And men, if I could address you specifically for a minute, you have a high calling, those of you who are dads and grandpas. You've been given a high calling, and it's a big responsibility that carries a lot of weight. Your wife is watching, your children are watching, your colleagues, other people here at church, people are watching what kind of leader you are. And I don't say these things to put a heavy on you, but I want to encourage you to lean into the Lord and say, God, help me with this. Because he can equip you because he's put the mantle on you. And it's in his strength and his power that you can lead in these ways. And we can all respond to our Heavenly Father in this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for being the God that you are. That you love us like you do. That you are the Father over all things. And that you desire to share your love, your holiness, your righteousness with us. And you've made a way through Jesus. We don't deserve it, God, and yet you lavish your grace and mercy on us every day. Thank you. Teach us by these words, Lord. Help us to embrace your discipline, to pursue your righteousness, and to maintain integrity as we aim to walk like Jesus, inviting your Holy Spirit to hold us by the hand and take us step by step. We can't do it alone, Lord, and we don't want to do it out of obligation or duty, we want to do it because we love you and you've given everything for us. So we bless you as our Father and I bless the men in this room to be godly men that seek you first and foremost as they lead their families. Thank you that we can lay these things at your feet, Lord, and know that you are God over all. We love you, we bless you, we look up to you. 
We pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.